Hey there, folks. Rob Hesser here with another episode of Art on the Air, my weekly Savannah Morning News special. Thanks, as always, for tuning in. Have a wonderful episode lined up for you this week. I spoke with Susan Hopp, a digital artist who I ran into recently. She is my neighbor, and she had a really interesting comment about the idea of artists adding more to the environment given all of the environmental problems that we have. So creating things that essentially create more objects in a world that really can't handle more objects. So that was the beginning of our conversation and the basis of our conversation, a really interesting talk that she and I and my co-host Gretchen Hilmers had about not only that, but about her art as well. So you're going to really enjoy listening to that, I think. Wanted to mention, as always, you can catch past episodes of Art on the Air, as well as all of the writing that I do for the Savannah Morning News at savannahnow.com in the entertainment section and in the lifestyle section. I had the opportunity last week to speak with Amiri Ferris about his exclusive to the Savannah Morning News Juneteenth poster print. And that was really cool. So you can check that out if you are a Savannah Morning News subscriber. In fact, you can get this poster for free, a digital download for this print by Amiri Ferris, one of the Low Country's most exciting young artists. So you're definitely going to want to check that out. That is at savannahnow.com in the entertainment section. But let's get into this week's episode. Again, this is Susan Hopp talking at my kitchen table along with my co-host Gretchen Hilmers about digital art and the nature of creating art in a world where the environment is under siege. Enjoy. Rob Hessler and Gretchen Hilmers here with Art on the Air Field Notes, and we are speaking in our kitchen with Susan Hopp, and the reason why we're in our kitchen is because Susan lives two houses down from us, and I love how you... was really hard. <laughs> <laughs> so Susan, you know, we have, we're listening, a lot of people are listening to this on the radio or whatever, and they don't see your work right in front of them, and... I, even I actually have a little bit of trouble, like, kind of classifying your uh-huh. work. So for people who aren't, maybe they're in the car or whatever, and they mm-hmm. can't see your work, describe what you do. Okay. So it's a little complicated, but I'll, I'll, I'll do the overarching, and then if mm-hmm. you want to dig a little deeper, we can. Okay. So I think if you were to look at the work, it's photography-based. Mm-hmm. But I'm not necessarily the person behind the lens. So what happens is, is that I kind of collage photographs that I find on social media and or through specific Google searches, and then I deconstruct them, rearrange them, put them back together, and so they're this abstracted landscape, which kind of mm-hmm. implies several other things. <laughs> several other stories are in there, but if you were to look at it, you get this sense of, oh, that's a landscape. Well, let me ask you, because... There is, you know, I, I think, you know, kind of researching you, you would be considered a digital artist, but it doesn't just exist entirely in the digital realm. So there is kind of this process of creating something that people can look at, like in an exhibition. I mean, if you could just talk a little bit about that, because I want to go down that path, because we had a conversation a few months ago that I thought was really interesting that I want to get back to. But if you could just sort of talk about that, being a digital artist but then 
kind of living in a world where you have to show in a gallery and like create an object. Yes. <laughs> I have a hard time lately with creating objects just because of environmentalism and like do I want to contribute to more things living in my flat files in my studio before and after <laughs> they go to exhibition. So with that, um, yeah, so the, the photographs, if I can put that in quotes, is they're created usually uh, on, between my phone and the computer. And then I print them out and frame them. But I also go to a place where they exist on wood panels, as well as plexiglass, mm. as well as vinyl, as well as painted on the wall. So there's like this interdisciplinary cross kind of, I don't know, substrate that's happening, where depending on how much space I have, I will blow these things up, mm -hmm. you know, seven, eight feet if I can. Uh, oftentimes the shows that I'm in are um, based off of um, size restrictions. Sure. So you can only do like nothing bigger than 24 by 24 inches. I'm like, okay, fine. I'll put in something that's 16 by 20. Yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> Framed and ready to go and looks all nice and it's a pretty little package. But if I had my way, I would be moving more in into installation. I just need a bigger space as well as places to exhibit. I want to just kind of talk to you about digital art in general because I think it's really interesting and I think you and I and Gretchen are all sort of in the same generation. And we have this weird, I think we're the last generation that <laughs> yes. experiences this as kind of like... That did the typewriter? <laughs> yes, right? Like I used a, you know, a typewriter and stuff like that when I was first writing like paper. Actually, I wrote them by hand yes. on paper. Well, yeah. Nice, you know? neat. <laughs> and um, and so like, you know, you have that kind of pre-digital yeah. ex experience and life experience. And then you've moved into digital. And I... I've always been sort of curious in the differences that people who grew up and had both of those experiences versus like artists of like the current generation who, I mean, even our son like yeah. understands how to <laughs> skip commercials on YouTube. <laughs> you know what I mean? And he's two and a half yeah, years old. That's hilarious. He's, he's like, like, too many commercials, too many commercials. <laughs> yeah. That's hilarious. But you know what I mean? So like, I I, I'm curious like how you kind of think about that because you are... Uh, you got a foot on yeah, either side of it. And then also you're a teacher. So you're teaching these kids who many of them mm -hmm. like. <laughs> are far more advanced <laughs> exactly. than I Exactly. Yeah, yeah, they're so, my TA for the day. Let me just say that. Oh, you know that much better than I. Why don't you help? <laughs> yeah, so we just kind of talk about that because I think that's yeah. really fascinating. It is because when I was in college before my first stint in graduate school, all of that technology was just coming into play. And I had some energetic force field around me that just couldn't even operate Word, right? Like I would type up a paper on the printer and then I'll, or, you know, on the computer and then it would print and it'd be like 17 spaces between each sentence. And I'm like, but that doesn't look like that on the screen. Why is this <laughs> happening to me? And I was like, to hell with this. I'm never getting into technology. I don't need it. You know? And then when I was in graduate school, they were like, suddenly it was the, put all your images from, you know, slides, the actual physical slide and slide carousel to the disc. Uh -huh. You know, and you're like, ooh, what's this? I'm not using that. I'll stick with slides. And so there was a big, like, <laughs> resistance to technology because I really, at the time, you just didn't know what that whole, like, snowball effect was uh -huh. going to be. And so I think, interestingly enough, I started actually in graduate schools when this whole thing kind of where I started using photographs and other people's photographs. So I, I kind of, like, got into the river of... Uh, appropriation and all the artists that came before me who appropriated cultural stuff mm -hmm. to discuss what's going on with them currently. 
And so, like, Gretchen Bender, I don't know if you've ever heard of her. She's um, a female artist from, like, the 80s who used television screens and just to talk about all the media that was constantly, you know, being inundated to all of us, right? And so then I started thinking about, why am I using photographs? And why am I choosing to do all this appropriation? And what's going on? Why am I not drawing and painting like I was trained to do? And so, long story short, I just embraced this whole cultural context of uh, media saturation, Mm -hmm. right? And how, if you think about our lifetime, right, we went from (laughs) turning the knob on the TV to the cable slide box to um, remote control to phones without cords that attach to the wall and you just keep going until all of a sudden you have the computer in your hand and you're like whoa what happened right. to like the cord on the wall and what happened to the answering machine that you could actually screen your calls <laughs> you know that just doesn't exist so and then I went back further and I was like well when I used to go to my uncle Benny's house who was um, on my Italian side of the family he used to have like five TVs set up in his living room because he didn't want to miss anything and so I was oh, like, when I would go over there at like six or seven years old, I was like, what's going on? <laughs> and then, you know, as a young adult, you kind of put these fragments together. Well, I was putting like, you know, the prices right and with the news and with the sports and I was making my own stories. Right. And so that, without me even realizing how much that impacted me, I continued that creation of many stories from different places in one place, mm-hmm. which is why I collect all these images because I don't really have time to travel. So everybody on Instagram is traveling. Yeah. <laughs> or at least that's what they want you to think. At least that's what the curation of this space is saying. And so I really, I think subconsciously, pulled that back into the work of like, ooh, look at everyone else's life, and then started to reconstruct and deconstruct meanings to make my own. Oh, that's so fascinating. Um, So that kind of is talking about technology, but at the same time, I went a little, you know... (laughs) Well, it's so so crazy because... In and out of the conversation with that, yeah. What I'm thinking about, though, when you're talking about seeing these five televisions, Mm -hmm. and, like, that sounds crazy. It's crazy. But who doesn't have, like, tons of, like, windows open on their browser? And we're all kind of interacting with many, many different things at the same time. Well, hello, I'm guilty on my phone and have the TV on at the same time. Yeah. But he didn't want to miss anything. This was pre-being able to, like, record your show, pre-being, like... You can do reruns later. This was like, you had to catch it then, or mm-hmm. you missed it. Yeah. I remember having to pee <laughs> so bad while watching a show, and I just had to wait for that commercial Yes, break, because you're like... <laughs> it's funny, because I remember X-Files. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. And I, missed, I missed the season finale, so I had to wait oh, until it yeah. went on a rerun. <laughs> right, you can't just stream the whole season in one shot. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, you, like, didn't make plans on the nights that you needed to catch your shows. For you, sure. For sure. You just didn't do it. So it's a completely different relationship <laughs> to media. Uh, I want to ask you about something I think is really fascinating with your Instagram. Because I was just kind of scrolling through your Instagram in preparation for interview. And one of the things I love is your, love is your color studies. <laughs> and, like, they're... You call them like color studies and they're a collection of images, but I almost found felt like when I was looking at them that I was looking at art pieces themselves, <laughs> right? Yeah. And I kind of feel like 
that goes a bit hand in hand with what you're doing. I wonder if you could talk a little bit about that. Yeah, just the color studies? Yeah, well, and just in yeah. general, like collection of images yeah. and almost without even really manipulating them, how they can become artworks. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think that it's... And this was actually a, an ongoing project that I wanted to try out for one of my color theory classes, right? Because I teach color theory. And so I wanted to be like, all right, well, if I have them do an ongoing color collection with all the colors, all 12 colors in the subtractive system, which is the physical system that we see, mm -hmm. then how can I, you know, encourage them to be, I don't know, a little bit out of the box, thinking out of the box. So I went through and did several of my own as a trial run. <laughs> and I basically think it's all in training your eye to see things from a different perspective. Mm -hmm. And I think as creative individuals, we have that kind of built in. But if we don't exercise it, sometimes we forget to look and how to study details. And so I really love details. I've always loved details. Like I, even when I took photography in college, I was like zooming in. Like getting mm -hmm. in and, and, and eliminating the the noise, if I may call it. Like just, I want to just be right here. And so I will just focus on right here. Like I love this little part of your table. <laughs> and I'm like, maybe they won't notice if I photograph it. Um, and so yeah. I... Maybe we won't care either. <laughs> like, what's she doing? And I'm going to take the texture off of your cushions you know like I just love all the I love tactile and I love texture and I love color and so I tried to focus on that and so then that is also along the lines of abstracting right because mm -hmm. then you take it out of context which is exactly what I do in the work I like to take things out of context so that you really don't know where it is and at the same time can say I, I identify that but I don't know where it's from and it takes you a minute to unpack it so that's why I'm drawn to those like color studies. Well, and I think what's sort of fascinating about that too is that like in those cases, a lot of times you're the and I was especially I was noticing in one of, in the in a blue stuff a mm -hmm. color study that you were doing, not all of the objects in there were like quote unquote blue mm -hmm. in the sense that they are dyed blue or right. the color of them is blue, <laughs> but it's like their reflected light is blue or whatever it might be, and because you're zooming in on them though, it doesn't. Like, we don't know. Like, we right. don't, we just assume that that's what the color is. Right. But it's like, I don't know. You might say the curtain is white and the curtain <laughs> is white, but it's also blue. But it's also blue, yeah. You or, know what I mean? I think what's interesting is the relationship of color, right? Because we'll always see it in relationship to something else. Because we can never, like Joseph Albert says, we can never see color in isolation. So if I put a grouping of colors together and I call them blue, we're looking at them in relationship to the color before and the color after, mm -hmm. especially when you're swiping. Or if you're looking at color in relationship to like this pink glass and your phone, they have a relationship because they're the same kind of hue, mm -hmm. right? And so that's, it's fun to play with that, like how do you manipulate the color based on what's around it or has it's in relationship to something else. Well, and it's funny because there are those like... Those, they're, I don't know what you call them. They're like right. tricks of the eye the where they'll blue. have like, yeah, like <laughs> yeah. those kind of things. And it really is like your perspective yeah. of what you're looking at yeah. in that moment. And the relationship of and the colors so around it. And the lighting. Yes. Mm -hmm. lighting. I mean, come on, your paint, right? It changes as the, as the light comes through the house, right? Mm -hmm. It might look more lavender. It might look more blue. <laughs> it's even more fascinating to see those conversations happening by people who aren't artists and mm -hmm. don't understand the effects of environment. Right. And, and it's... Oh, I loved it when that argument came up. Is the oh. dress blue or white? Well, because it's subjective. <laughs> They're arguing objective fact. And it's like, it is this color they want. And I think we all, to a certain extent, as people, we mm -hmm. want to have 
an answer. Oh, we yeah. want the we answer. We want to categorize things. Yeah. Absolutely. Put it in its place and, and have it I be see. logical. And things are not logical. Yeah. <laughs> and nothing. <laughs> of course, unless you do math. But even then. <laughs> oh, me. So I want to go back to, because this is the, a couple of months ago we ran into each other and we were talking about, and you mentioned it already, about that thinking about creating objects in an environment where our environment is in trouble and do we want to make things you know what i mean and it's Mm -hmm. like do we want to create more things more stuff (laughs) more stuff in the world yeah and what i kind of think is interesting in in particular about your work is that during the pandemic when we couldn't go to galleries Everybody was using like digital formats to look at artwork. Like right. they were using Instagram. Instagram, and I, I, a lot of people that had really good digital presence, and I talked to a lot of these artists, were doing really well with like sales and stuff mm-hmm. during the pandemic because people could like sit on their phone and right. like flip through art and buy an art. You right. know what I mean? But it isn't sort of interesting how, to a certain extent, many people kind of think of it as like, the way to experience art is digitally not going to the gallery. And you're kind of talking about, well, do I want to make something? I just kind of want to get your take on that as somebody who grew up going to galleries and like going to first Fridays and going to receptions and seeing that kind of shift almost to like, I mean, I wonder if the next generation is going to even think about Making objects. Yeah, or going well, yeah, to shows. A, well, that's a good point. Because I, I think inevitably designers and artists always want an object in a sense, right? Because everything we use is designed by someone, right? Whether it's the chair that we sit in or the silverware that we're using or the you know pans that you're cooking in or the Nautilus equipment you're exercising on, even your cars, right? They're all designed by someone. And so, you know, the distinction between designing for function and designing for form, if I may, or art, Mm -hmm. is a little, in my opinion, different, right? So in the art world, yes, I I am concerned about adding to the the objects out there that may, maybe this is just me being slightly bitter, but um, unnecessary (laughs) items, you know, because, I mean, for whatever reason, that sometimes it's in excess of, like, the uh, accessories, right? And so at the same time, though, I think people really enjoy objects of beauty or things that make them feel a certain way. And so they want to own them and they want to have them in their homes. And so if we move into a completely digital place, what does that look like? And I don't have that answer, right? Because, mm-hmm. But I also think about like, and I'm going off topic a little bit, like film, right? I talked to my students the other day. I'm like, so what do you guys think in your lifetime? Like between your age and my age is like 30 years, right? Lots happened in my 30 years between your age and my age. And so what do you think film's going to look like? They're like, oh, definitely going to VR. And I'm like, how would a theater even look? Would you even have a theater anymore? Right. You know, and so I like to think about and investigate all of the what ifs of the future. And so if that's the case, then maybe we will have virtual galleries with VR goggles. And we just have them as part of our accessories. That's the object we own is the is the Oculus. NFTs? Right? <laughs> NFTs. I don't even know how so I feel about So interestingly enough, <laughs> it just so happened that I was reached out to and I, the timing wasn't good. But uh, the, it was a SCAD artist who was doing an exhibition mm-hmm. of Korean artist work. Mm-hmm. It was a, a Korean artist show, Savannah SCAD student. Mm-hmm. And... The entire show was in 
the virtual world. It was in the metaverse. Yes. And the, that was the show. Yeah, they have platforms now for I know. people to have their shows in this, I don't know what, you, I forget the name, but art space or something where mm-hmm. all these people that were graduating with their MFAs across the country were like hanging up their work in these virtual galleries and you could stand on the spot. Like, you know, like where you would look at a, a virtual tour of a home. You know, mm-hmm. they yeah, get yeah. those uh-huh. arrows, right? And you would stand on the arrow and you'd look at the art and you could turn right and left and they'd have a little blurb if you clicked on the information and then you'd go to the next space. And I actually witnessed somebody show that way and I was like, this is wild. <laughs> I was like, how do you even, like, you got to put in the measurements of the painting? Like, how do you, I mean, it's beyond my, right now, as I say, it's beyond my thing. And then in two years, I'll be like, oh my God. <laughs> well, but the thing is, like, what does it smell like? What is, like, right. the texture of it right. there? Yeah, I don't think that what you What is get the person that. that's annoying? talking on their phone <laughs> behind you. You know what I mean? Like, all yeah. of that. I love the sound of people. T- I love yes. eavesdropping. I yeah. love listening in on same. conversations. The gallery echo, yes. for example. Yes. Because I do interviews with, with people in galleries, and I'm like, one of the things that's a distinguishing feature about mm-hmm. going into a gallery space is the echo. Yeah. It's very distinguished. And so, like, when I go to Laney Contemporary, for example, mm-hmm. or Sulphur, and I'm interviewing somebody in a gallery space and you hear that you know you're in the place right, exactly. like how do you recreate those elements which i think mm-hmm. it's or, like when digital well, they're integral part of the experience right. you know but i think that you know covid really kind of shifted our experience of full places right even through just not going to the grocery store and having it via instacart and all your groceries coming in every item is in a single plastic bag <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't use them just for that, <laughs> but you know, and and so and then movies all being streamed at home, like a lot of these things, kind of got dissected from our our usual experience. So can we say that it's um, negative or positive? Like it really just depends on. It's where, probably both. I it's mean, both, really. right? Because here we have like, sure, now you don't have to listen to the annoying person in the movie theater. <laughs> On their phone, right? At the same time, like, you know, there's the pluses and the minuses. I think of everything. And so I find it fascinating that we're definitely shifting more to the digital. And I just, I really, I don't know, I'm still at odds with it all because I don't think it's well-formed as far as how I feel about it yet Mm -hmm. in my brain because I haven't even been able to slow down enough to really process what's happening because everything happens so fast. Like, even the NFTs, you hear about it, you hear about it, you hear about it, and then all of a sudden, nothing. So then you forget I mean, I do. I have a shortest attention span. <laughs> and then I forget, and then all of a sudden it comes back, and then you hear criticism on both sides and opinion pieces on both sides, and I'm just like, I don't really understand. Like, <laughs> but what? good for those that are making all that money. Like, <laughs> that's great. <laughs> you know, but it's like, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a lot. And because I'm not in that world on a regular basis, it's hard to keep up. There's so much. I don't know. I'm sure you guys feel the, the same way. It's just like this... Like with those the snowball of technology, it's like it's just running me over. And like those cartoons, my arms and legs are sticking <laughs> out of the ball. I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and all I can do is like, I'll just work in Photoshop and a little bit of Illustrator, and pretty soon that's going to be like, <laughs> so so yesterday, because <laughs> you're not like you're not using Grasshopper and Rivet and SketchUp, and I'm like, what <laughs> even? <laughs> That's really funny. So I was going to ask you and kind of like kind of start to to finish out this interview, but I was going to ask you like, what do you think? I mean, you don't know, but like, what do you think is next? I mean, you talk that you see these kids mm-hmm. that you're teaching who are 
as we described, they, they've lived their whole lives like mm-hmm. in that world and it's yeah. just ubiquitous for yeah. them. Well, and, interestingly enough, for programs and things, it's not as comfortable as you would think. They're more on the phone and the app familiar, right? So they can operate anything on their phones, but you put them in front of a scanner <laughs> and you gotta like walk them through the steps. <laughs> Right. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, and so even those that come well versed in, say, Adobe Creative Cloud, like Photoshop and Illustrator, some have never touched it. So here you have the, well, in a whole other conversation, what happens across high schools in our country of who has the facilities and who doesn't, who has the resources and who doesn't, right? So you, I really get a whole mixed bag of those that know a lot and those that don't know anything and are starting. So you have to level the playing field, at least in the classroom, right? So what's next? Gosh, technology just keeps on, keeps on, keep it on. <laughs> and I think that it's fascinating to like, okay, so who would have ever thought you'd 3D print a dress, right? Like, or 3D print a house. Like, it's just yeah. like way, way farther than I even can comprehend. And so to take those small steps, all I can do is to keep as current as I possibly can with yeah. technology because... I have these students that are coming up to these resources, so I, I just have to talk to other faculty members who are in these really cool departments like fibers and furniture and industrial design. Like, what's going on over there? <laughs> and even though I may not learn it, I can at least turn the students onto it. Oh. Right? So, and it's just like, gosh, it's a, it's a lot. If I if I was a, like independently wealthy trust funder, that's all I would do is <laughs> learn stuff because there's so much to learn. And you would never catch up. I would you would never still catch be up. like yeah, exactly. chasing, exactly. chasing it. Right. So, well, Susan Hop, I want to kind of finish up the interview here now. If people are interested in learning more about you and your work, following what you're up to, what's the best way for people to do that? I think to get an uh, introduction to the work would be on the website at Susan hyphen hop don't spell hyphen it's just the hyphen dot mm-hmm. com or you can follow me on instagram and that's at susan d hop and uh i'm sorry i'm not a very avid poster i'm more of a voyeur <laughs> so you me have too, to be actually. patient with me posting new works but i will never post the full work it's always a little bit of a cropped in abstraction of the full work and so. that's h-o-p-p yes, yes correct thank two you for there, reminding yeah. me yes two p's and hop thank you so much susan thank for coming on our today this appreciate was fun. it That's all the time we have for this week's episode of Art on the Air with your host, Rob Hessler. Listen every Wednesday for our live show, broadcasting from 3 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time on 107.5 FM, Savannah Soundings, and worldwide at WRUU.org. And you can catch past episodes on the WRUU station archives on our website, as well as on iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. We'll talk to you next week, where we'll have another batch of art on the air.